0: That That's what doesn't make sense to me. You're gonna make up your mind now. I just, I just think it's a little
1: dumb. It pisses me off that he does that.
0: No, 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 no. This is different. It's definitely different.
1: Really on my nerves right now. You're
2: listening to the Loose Change podcast with your hosts Nick Waglia and Jarrett
0: Galley. Couch Guys Sports Loose Change Podcast, episode number 86. We got myself, we got Jared back on the main portion of the show this week, not just the interview portion. No producer Patty P here with us, but he will be producing this because he's the best producer in the goddamn game. Jared, sup? I'm not dying this week, which is good. Yeah, yeah, 103... Hundred three degree fever sounds like it sucked ass.
1: Yeah, it was miserable. Um, I, if you, if you couldn't tell, I had it during that Gasper interview too. So you're welcome. Yeah. I know.
0: I know. Uh, we you're got welcome. Evan Lazar on from clnsmedia.com, too, Patriots Beat reporter, uh, giving us that interview. So so <laughs> full disclosure, I'm not gonna act like I'm not gonna act like we didn't just it. We we did the interview before we started recording the main part of the show, because you generally want to do that. And Evan has a lot. Of in-depth information, well, he's good at what he
1: does, Nick Quacks. He's good at he what he does. Brushes. He knows his he shit. Brushes. He's like a mini Philay Perry.
0: Yeah, for real. Yeah, they, they Evan, Evan, like if if you watch his stuff, and I know a lot of people do. If you watch his stuff, he knows all of these small little details. Which, like, when when whenever I watch Evan, and the amount I just learned during this interview too was crazy. He just has he has so much detail. He crushes the Patriots beat reporting game. All right, we are here with Evan Lazar of clnsmedia.com, CLNS Media dot com, Media. Evan, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. We're uh, here to talk about a little bit of Patriots today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's that tends to be what I do is talk a lot about the Patriots on on the daily basis.
0: Should've should've hit you with a curveball and let it off with, hey uh, Anthony Davis, would you trade Jason <laughs> Tatum for? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, my answer is no. I, I like oh, it. Oh, yeah. You're on my side. Let's go,
0: Evan. Man, god damn. That a boy. You know, I like you. <laughs> god, this is and my basketball
2: hot take. All
0: right, all right. For a For a quick minute, Evan, Jared and I have been arguing about whether or not you would trade Jason Tatum since like since you got drafted, since probably since like last j- January. <laughs>
2: Well, I I will admit that uh, I am a a Celtics season ticket holder. My family is. Oh, damn. Okay. uh, Yeah. So I was at a few of those uh, Celtics playoff games last year, you know, game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals being the biggest one where he went toe-to-toe with LeBron for three and a half quarters. And you look at that (laughs) and you're like, all right, I I love Anthony Davis too, but, you know, this is like a homegrown child of ours. You know, it's kind of like a Patriots (laughs) draft pick. You know, you never want to see those guys walk or get traded because you know you, you drafted them and you developed them and you've invested in them. And then I, I just, I always like to try to keep those di- types of guys around, whether it's football, basketball, whatever sport.
0: You know, we're gonna we're gonna have to do this every week with, with whatever guests we have because last week we had Chris Gasparon. He was he was totally on my side, so we're just, just gonna have to keep the Dallas. Just,
1: just keep asking the question, everybody. We have it works. It's gonna be the first <laughs> question everybody from now
0: on, but uh. But yeah, man. So uh, those New England Patriots, pretty good football team. They've been a, uh, you know, a uh, a dynasty for a long time now. Football. Am I right, Evan? Am I right?
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like they're they're pretty good at that sport. That you know, back in September, as people mo- often do with the Patriots, uh, buried the dynasty, and here we are. You know, at ten and three or nine and three or whatever they are at this
0: point. Yeah, Tom Brady, pretty solid, pretty solid. But uh but no, for real. The Patriots this season has they've been they've been totally confusing to me. I mean it's they're they're nine and three, right? That's I have that correct, right? Or is mm-hmm, nine mm-hmm, and three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, football. Um but no nine <laughs> and three. And in the beginning of the season, the defense looked so slow, looked so poor. And it was something that, like, over the offseason, it was talked up a lot. This defense has a lot of potential. And then they started off real slow, but they're kind of – they seem like they're coming into their, their own a little bit, right? So, yeah, I, I, well, my uh, question is, what do you think changed uh, from the beginning of the season to now? Because this defense, as of this week, I think they got a lot of respect and they looked vicious against the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins. What do you think changed? Yeah, well, I think that there
2: are some scheme things that have changed, you know, some some play calling and coaching that that they've kind of dressed up things a little bit more, I would say, probably since the bye week and since that loss in Tennessee, uh, you know, some more exotic blitz packages, some more pressures up front. And uh, obviously, you know, a little bit more of disguising in the secondary as well, kind of dressing up things and kind of showing one thing before the snap and then kind of morphing it into something else after the snap. But I think the biggest thing talking to a lot of the players, a lot of the fans like to make it out to be like, you know, these guys are slow or and, and not athletic enough to play in today's NFL. And, and uh, the Patriots aren't looking and drafting the right type of players. You know, a lot of these teams are going out there and drafting these speedy linebackers that are basically like, Big safeties uh, playing the linebacker position, and the Patriots go out and draft these two hundred and forty, two hundred and fifty pounders like Jawan Bentley, who's more of like a thumper type linebacker. But I think the biggest thing is is that it's actually more mental for a lot of these guys than it is physical. And at this point of the season, they're just gelling. You know, they they're on the same page. All eleven guys on the field are doing the exact same thing you know they they know what they're running they know their assignments and when that happens you can be much more confident in your movements and oftentimes you can kind of make up for the fact that maybe you don't run a uh, 4-4-40 at the linebacker position but maybe you run a 4-6 or a 4-7 but when you know where you're going you know your assignment you know your role in the defense you can get there a lot faster because you're just playing uh, and there, I think this defense now is starting to play more aggressive, uh, play with a little bit more, um, you know, confidence in what they're doing out there. And, and that's why you're seeing a little bit more speed. And it looks faster to the naked eye. And in reality, the players obviously haven't changed. It's more just that they're more comfortable in what they're doing within the scheme.
1: Can the defense last? And just because you look at what they did at the beginning of the year, and you, obviously they've improving game by game. Um, but now you have to go against high-powered teams. You, know, you have to play Kansas City again, most likely, even without Kareem Hunt. I still think they're obviously a phenomenal team. Uh, the Rams and the Saints are on the other side if you get to the Super Bowl. Can this defense potentially hold up against a team like that? Because the Chiefs game was just a shootout.
2: Yeah, I would still expect it when they play, if they play, obviously a team like Kansas city in the playoffs that it would still be a high scoring game. I don't think that the Patriots are now all of a sudden, uh morphing into, you know, the, the 2013 Seahawks or the 85 bears, or some of the older uh, football fans would say, but, you know, at the same time, I think that this defense can help them uh, win games in the short term, maybe a little bit more than we were expecting and playing a team like a Miami Dolphins team on or the Vikings uh, this past week where you can impose your will defensively. You can do some things defensively to create turnovers, to create three and outs, to get pressure on the quarterback. Maybe that doesn't sustain all the way like, to what you're asking about an AFC title game against Kansas City or a Super Bowl matchup against Breeze and the Saints or whoever it may be. But I think that they can kind of be more of a factor and not necessarily hold on like they were in the years past, especially last year. It always felt like that defense was just kind of holding on for dear life and praying that they didn't give up more points and that mm-hmm. the dam didn't kind of break. I think this defense can kind of impose its will a little bit more, um, which is something that I think we're all hoping to see and uh, hope that they can sustain. And obviously uh, the offense, you know, is still Tom Brady's offense and I still have a lot of confidence in that side of the ball, but it would obviously help a lot when you have a 41 year old quarterback, if your defense could hold teams down to, you know, someplace in the twenties versus having a super bowl where they give up 40 points again.
0: All right. So, Tell me about this kid, J.C. Jackson, because there was a lot of talk about him over the offseason during training camp. This kid looks pretty good. And I feel like this game against Minnesota is kind of his coming out game. What do you what do you think about this kid? Do you think he's going to be a big piece of this Patriots defense going forward for the rest of the season? Just tell me tell me your thoughts about J.C. Jackson, especially how he played this past week.
2: Yeah. Well, I think the thing that I'm seeing with JC that excites me the most is that you can really tell that he's taken to the coaching that the uh, Patriots staff has given him. And that's kind of added to his physical tools. He played receiver in high school and was an All-American receiver, uh, recruited actually to college um, to play receiver at the University of Florida. And then they converted him to a cornerback. And then some off-field things happened that Forced him to transfer to Maryland and ended up being part of the reason why he went undrafted in the draft. So, this is a really highly touted high school prospect and this kind of happens sometimes with the Patriots where they take one of these guys from high school that didn't really pan out in his college program, but they know has the raw talent and the raw ability to be a really good player. Uh, That was actually something not to, you know, I know this comparison is going to come up a lot, but that was something that happened with Malcolm Butler as well, who was also kind of in the same boat as JC Jackson. So um, I think that the physical traits are definitely there. We saw them obviously um, with the tip and the interception by Deron Harmon, Uh, He has great ball skills, great tracking skills when the ball's in the air on deep passes. Uh, He's had a couple of interceptions already this year on on deep throws like that. Uh, One against this Miami team actually back in week four. And he's, uh, he's always near the ball, always uh, playing in phase, which means just you know playing in position right in the receiver's hip pocket. He's very seldom fooled. But I also think that the coaching, the way the Patriots coach up their defensive backs and coach up their corners, you're starting to see some of that come to fruition, like the target that he had against Adam Thielen, where Thielen really kind of thought it was pass interference, but it was really perfect coverage. And he kind of got a little bit out of position, a little bit beat at the line of scrimmage by Thielen's release, but then was able able to recover and play through the body of the receiver and kind of make that a tough throw. And that's, you know, you see that and you say, okay, that's, you know, coaching, that's how the Patriots coach that play. That's how they want their D- DBs playing that kind of coverage. Um, and then obviously in zone, he's, he's also reacting to things very well too and kind of passing off guys and seeing the field and reading the quarterback size and doing all those kinds of things. So I really am intrigued. I thought that out of that game on Sunday, out of anybody that played in that game he was by far the most impressive player on the field for the Patriots not necessarily the best player on the field but just the guy that has taken the most, biggest jump I would say from where he was in training camp in the beginning of the season to now and I think that he's earned at least for the time being a top three cornerback spot obviously behind Gilmore and Jason McCordy. I think that JC is going to be that third guy and it will probably bump uh, Jason and in, back into the slot a little bit more but we'll see I'm sure it will depend on the matchup you know obviously feeling playing a lot in the slot moved jason mccourty into the slot a little bit more than maybe he will in other weeks um but a game against like a pittsburgh for example where they have a juju smith who plays in the slot a lot too i definitely could see those three guys with jc on the outside with gilmore and jason back in the slot in a very similar type game plan as what we saw against minnesota
1: I have to flip to the offense, Evan, because obviously the defense has gotten better, but the offense is kind of what drives this team, and as long as Brady's behind center, they're going to talk about the offense, but you know, I, I want to go to the running game, because you just got Rex Burkhead back, Sonny Michelle uh, has been on and off the field, but when he's on the field, he looks really good, and looks like a number one back, plus you always have James White. Do they want to run the ball consistently? Because I, I look at this team and feel like they have to, and they're better when they're, more, they're balanced, and when they do a little bit of both, And they're not saying they're going to be 50-50 by any means, but... When the team is balanced and has a threat of running in these games that Sonny Michel's has put up a hundred yards, the play action has looked phenomenal.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that any team for the most part wants to be balanced and obviously that presents a very good kind of, Uh, you know, balance and chess match with the defense where you don't really know what you're expecting, especially on first and second down. Uh, When you can run the ball on early downs, it makes the defense kind of have to play both. And that definitely puts you in a position defensively. Bill Belichick always talks about it. You know, when you don't know what to expect defensively, you're reacting to everything and you can't rush the passer the same way and you can't um, you know, affect the game the same way because you don't know what's going to happen until after the snap and you're you're reacting instead of anticipating. And I think that that is a big part of it, especially with the play-action passing game. The way that the Patriots dress those play-actions up and they're able to kind of make them look exactly the same as a running play, it's pretty hard for a defensive player, especially those linebackers at that second level that are taught to play run first, especially on first and second down, it's tough for them to then react and get into their spots and stop passes going from, you know, behind them into the middle of the field because, you know, you just don't know if it's a run or a pass until you really see the back either get the ball or not get the ball. So I think that ideally they would like to run the ball. Now, that being said, when push comes to shove and we're in an AFC title game against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, it's Tom Brady's game to win or lose. And uh, this team is going to win or lose with Tom Brady um, as it has the last 18 years or so. So really, that's not any big change or any big, you know, revelation or anything like that. But I think that we see them run the ball a whole lot in the regular season. And then once they get to the playoffs, you know, obviously game script and score and stuff like that has a factor. Obviously, they're not going to run the ball 30, 40 times when they're down 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl. But at the same time, I think that they're more of a team that realizes in the playoffs that, you know, Brady is their guy and he's the one that's going to get them to the promised land, get them to the winner's circle. So I would expect in the playoffs, as it has been in years past, whether it's been Deion Lewis or Garrett Blunt back there, they become much more of like a 70 30 run pass team, maybe 65 35 in some good years with the running in. Um, but it definitely becomes, uh, it takes a big backseat compared to what we saw. Um, you know, during the regular season, especially later in the season in December, when maybe they're trying to preserve Brady, maybe they're trying to run the ball in the bad conditions and do stuff like that. Now obviously, they have had play playoff games in the past against softer defenses like the Colts, um where they've run all over them. But I would just say that when it when push comes to shove when you know they really need it, it's going to be Tom Brady's team
0: all right so so rolling out with Tom Brady, there's been some criticism with this with the with the receiving game this year on the offensive side of the ball for the Patriots do you think would you put more of the, those issues in the passing game on an aging Tom Brady 41 years old or do you put it on a lack of weapons because when you look at the weapons there are some there are some big names Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski but they don't seem they're not playing like the old like that old trio like Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski do you think the the Weaker passing game that we've seen this season is more because of the weapons or is it more because of, again, the aging Tom Brady?
2: Well, I I would say that, you know, it definitely, this is kind of a Belichick answer for you, but it's definitely an impact of all 11 guys, right? You know, it's not just one guy that is leading to some of the things that we're seeing. But overall, I mean, Brady, has he taken a little bit of a step back? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Maybe he's the fifth best quarterback in the league this year instead of the best quarterback in the league. Um, But he's certainly not fallen off a cliff, you know. And I think that people that say that he's played average this year are, are just that's just foolish. I think that maybe he's had an average Tom Brady season, um, which is, you know, basically like saying that he's had a very good season for any other quarterback. Um, But I think that some of the things that we saw with Brady, when he was really struggling, like he did in Tennessee um, are kind of what you are indicative of when Tom Brady slumps, you know, every player is allowed to have a slump, but when you're 41 years old, You know, when you have a slump, when you don't play as well for a a couple weeks in a row, people start to question whether or not you're kind of falling off that cliff and whether or not the end is near for you because it's just your age. It comes with that territory. Um, But the things that were happening to him, like in Tennessee, tunnel vision, uh, his internal clock being off in the pocket, his footwork being a little bit sloppy, all those types of things are just, that's what it looks like when Tom Brady's not at his best. These last couple of weeks, uh, his footwork has kind of returned, his pocket movement, the t- offense is back to being on time a lot more in the passing game. I understand that maybe the receivers aren't quite as explosive, especially Gronk, as we're used to seeing, and maybe you're not going to see you know, the Patriots' offense morph into something like in 2011 or one of these high-flying offenses that they've had over the last decade. Um, but at the same time, I mean, they're really not that much worse off than they have been in years past. They're still top ten in scoring. Brady is still, like I said, probably top five or six quarterback in the league. If you want to split hairs with some guys like a Philip Rivers or someone like that that's also playing very well this year, um, you can. But I think that the notion that Brady is playing average for a, a normal quarterback is is pretty ridiculous. And average for a normal quarterback. Would be like the type of season that, like, you know, Marcus Mariota is having right now, or <laughs> Dak Prescott, or Alex Smith when he was healthy. Um, you know, those guys are, are not that, that's average in, in the NFL. Brady is still well above that, um, especially with his decision making and the way he goes through progressions and makes decisions uh, with the throws that he does make. So, um, you know, maybe the arm isn't quite as strong as we've seen in years past maybe there are some things that the Patriots offense can't necessarily do because they have a 41 year old quarterback, but there's also a ton of things that they can do because they have Tom Brady.
1: So I want to kind of open it up for, you know, a sec here in terms of the AFC as a whole, I mean, because Kareem Hunt going off the team for obvious reasons is something that
0: <laughs> for, for, for lack of a better, for term. lack of
1: a better term. Um, so, that team is still good, but now they're going to rely on Spencer Ware and Chuck Kendrick West, which they had done before Kareem Hunt, and that obviously didn't work for them before. So I look at the AFC to take a step back, Evan, and I see the Patriots, despite not being the best record-wise, I, I see them back at the top. Steelers are crapping on themselves. The other competitors are the Chargers and the Houston Texans who don't scare me whatsoever. Um, I, I don't see anybody on top of the Patriots anymore. I, I think they regained their spot because of Kareem Hunt, and just they, they're, they're kind of getting hot at the right time.
2: Yeah, well, the good thing for the Patriots is is that they they still haven't quite hit their best football yet. They really haven't played at their absolute peak um on both sides of the ball. So, that's good news. Um now obviously it might never happen, which is would be bad news,
0: but Not if great. it does
2: happen, <laughs> yeah, if it does happen eventually, then, you know, right now is probably going to be w- when it happens, they're fully healthy. Um, on both sides of the ball really knock on wood have amazing health um, you know for this time of year in the NFL I mean you're in December in week 13 14 and you only have four guys on the injury report on a Wednesday practice I mean that's that's unbelievable you look at what the Dolphins are dealing with. They had 14 guys listed on their injury report today. So that kind of puts in perspective, you know, how much, how healthy this team really is. So that's good news. And, you know, I think that there's some other things that, you know, you like, obviously they have the head to head against both Houston and Kansas city. So those teams, We'll have to finish a full game above them in the standings to leapfrog them and, and kind of knock the Patriots out of a bye week. So if the Patriots take care of business, especially against the AFC East teams, where, which make up most of their games here, three out of four of their final games, other than the Pittsburgh game, obviously, then they're in really good shape and they should be. You know, twelve and four, thirteen and three, and and probably a top two seed in the AFC, and maybe even the number one seed if one of those uh, teams like Kansas City, especially, um, you know, takes a step back. And I think with the Kareem Hunt thing, you know, obviously we we're not going to go into all the other stuff, the off-field stuff with Kareem Hunt, just an awful situation, um, obviously. But from a football perspective, it takes a guy. You know, I often talk about kind of Monday and Tuesday players. Those are guys that the coaching staff comes in when they start game planning for the next team and they're circling on the on the sheet. Right. You know, Brian, Brian Flores and Bill Belichick are sitting down to craft the game plan for the Kansas City Chiefs and the AF title game. And who are you circling? You're circling Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill and Kareem Hunt. You know, those are the kind of their big three. Now, one of those big three is gone which kind of allows you to allocate resources to one of the other two guys, or maybe even, you know, start to worry a bit about Sammy Watkins or one of the other guys too. So, you know, it gives you a situation where you only have 11 guys on the field. You can't double cover everybody. You can't, you know, be rotating coverage towards everybody, but now you only have two guys to worry about as opposed to three. And we know, you know, kind of what Kareem Hunt has done to the Patriots in the past he's really tortured them a little bit over these last couple years in the two matchups that they've played against him, especially in the passing game with long touchdown catches so it's, it's a huge you know kind of chess match advantage now that the Patriots don't have to face a guy like that when they play Kansas City and I'm interested to see you know they played Oakland this past week which isn't really a huge test so I'm interested to see when Kansas City goes up against a better team, a better defense, how they kind of uh, react to the fact that they don't have a factor back in the backfield anymore, like a Kareem Hunt, because, you know, like I just said, a lot of opposing defensive coordinators are sleeping a little bit easier at night when they have the Chiefs on the schedule, knowing that they don't have to deal with this, you know, absolute beast of a running
0: back. All right, Evan, final question, and then we'll let you get back to your night. So Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy, Fired from the Green Bay Packers head coaching job. You know, he was there for a little while. We got this guy here in New England, Josh McDaniels. Everybody knows what happened last year with the Colts. He accepted the job, then left. Of course, he's back to being the number one head coaching prospect just because his name is there, just because he's alive and breathing. Um, Do you think that there's a real possibility that Josh McDaniels, who was rumored to be interested and the job mutually interested with the Packers. Do you think it's a real possibility that Josh McDaniels could take that Packers job and be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers next year? And I mean, couple that with, or the Cleveland Browns, because that seems like another job, because he's from Ohio, that McDaniels could actually be interested in too.
2: Yeah, so I I would say that the two jobs in the NFL that Patriots fans should be most worried about are the two jobs that, quite frankly, have openings right now. And, uh, And one of the reasons is obviously because the Packers have a guy named Aaron Rodgers, who's a future Hall of Famer, and most offensive-minded coaches uh, would dream to coach a guy like Aaron Rodgers or have that opportunity to coach Aaron Rodgers. And the Browns are, like you mentioned, McDaniels' hometown team. And also, just going back to the draft, everybody, it's kind of a, a known secret at this point that McDaniels absolutely loved Baker Mayfield, that Baker Mayfield was his number one player on the offensive side of the ball on the entire draft class you know. Court- quarterback, running back, whatever position being played. So the Patriots, Be- Belichick, McDaniels, Casario, the whole you know, pow- hierarchy, the whole power structure really loved Baker Mayfield. So that obviously makes Cleveland a little bit more enticing. as uh, terms of the Packers job, I think what it really comes down to for McDaniels is what kind of coaching position he wants. Does he want a position where he's going to have to deal with a veteran quarterback, He's going to have to curtail his offense to what Aaron Rodgers is accustomed to running because you're not going to just go there and throw a whole new offensive system at Aaron Rodgers, who is a future Hall of Famer, MVP, and has been in the league for, what, 10 or 14 years now. You're not just going to completely reinvent the wheel with him. You're going to have to kind of give and take a little bit. It reminds me a little bit of the situation of when Peyton Manning went to Denver, and that coaching staff basically threw out everything that they were doing before and they said all right Peyton like you install your offense you know that's what you're kind of looking at with a guy like Aaron Rodgers you're not going to Kind of change everything that Rodgers is going to do. So, is that something that McDaniels wants to do? Uh, is McDaniels up to the challenge? Obviously, he's coached Tom Brady and has a great re- relationship with Tom Brady, but Aaron Rodgers is a different cat. Is he up to the challenge of trying to coach Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers going to be successful to that coaching, you know, accepting to that coaching? Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers' predecessor in Green Bay, Brett Favre, is known for being the type of guy that didn't take coaching very well. Um, So is Aaron Rodgers more of that guy, or is he more of the Brady type that will say when McDaniels says, you know, your footwork on this throw wasn't right. Your read on this throw wasn't right. How is that whole relationship going to go? Um, And the second thing is, is that the pressure of being in green Bay, you know, if he gets hired by the Packers with a 35 year old Aaron Rodgers, the expectation is going to be super bowl or bust. If he goes to a team like the Cleveland Browns who are kind of rebuilding and recreating their program, then he might have a little bit more of a runway to kind of install things and get things to where the where he wants to do them and kind of build a program like more like a college th- style program like what Belichick has built here in New England and maybe give himself the opportunity to be in Cleveland for the next decade or something like that. I would doubt that if he goes to Green Bay, that that's going to be the same type of situation because Rodgers is going to play for another four or five years, probably, and then he's going to retire. Then who knows what happens after that? And if McDaniels doesn't win a Super Bowl in the first two or three years that he's with Rodgers, then he could be fired again, um, which is I don't think a situation that he obviously wants to go through twice.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> not what you want. <laughs> it, right,
2: and as we know in the NFL uh once you get that second chance you don't get a third chance too often uh you get two chances really at it uh, to be a head coach that's kind of been the mo it's the truth for Pete Carroll it's the truth for Bill Belichick it's the truth for a lot of guys so uh you really get two stabs at it if I was McDaniels and I think that this is becoming more and more of a popular take now I would more lean towards a job like Cleveland where I can kind of morph the whole system and morph the whole offense and and the program the way that you want it to be. Whereas with green Bay, you're kind of coming into a already made, building you know you're walking into a situation where really they're just looking for a shot in the arm for the offense with some creativity and with uh, a little bit of spice and then you know hopefully pick up where they left off with McCarthy in terms of making the playoffs like nine out of the 11 years he was the head coach or whatever it was
0: all right Evan Lazar CLNS media you follow him on Twitter at EZ Lazar like easy pass you Massachusetts people you guys get that EZ Lazar on Twitter, and then catch this podcast dropping on Friday's Patriots All-22, and then get all of the best Patriots coverage from Evan Lazar on CLNSmedia.com. Always posting on Twitter, always posting on CLNS media. Great coverage. You guys, check it out. Evan, thank you so much for coming on tonight, man. We'll talk to you in a bit. Hopefully we can get you back on soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, we'll talk. All right, once again, Evan Lazar, CLNS Media, Patriots beat reporter. Podcast Patriots All-22. Drops on Fridays and follow him on Twitter at Evan Lazar. I mean at Lazar. All right, back to the show. The weekly dump. All right, let's hit it quick. Greg Hardy, noted scumbag. I hate this guy. I wrote a blog on this guy when Couch Guy kind of first started about how much I hated him. I remember leaving class to write this blog. I was so mad because Jerry Jones was just like semi-defending him. I forget what the whole situation was. But as we remember in the past, Greg Hardy, who beat the crap out of his uh, – I think it was his girlfriend at the time, threw her on the bed uh, a futon full of guns. It was a horror scene. He's making his UFC debut. And it's on the same night that ESPN and UFC are showing their first thing, their inaugural ESPN UFC night. It's also the same night that Rachel ostovich I don't know if a lot of people knew about this, Rachel ostovich I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name right, makes her return that same night. She was the victim of domestic abuse just a month ago where she broke her orbital bone. So uh, UFC, you're fucking a big time. How, do you, how can you be that tone deaf?
1: Idiots! Are you are you kidding me? Like it, they're so toned of the, that that's all colliding on the same night. Leave it to the worldwide leader to all collide on the same night.
0: Um, it's not I, just on them though. Like this is on Dana White. Dude. Oh no, Dan, it's on. It's Dana, more on. What, okay,
1: what doing, it's man? more on Dana White, dude. Like obviously, but yes. just the fa- just the fact that of course of all of all networks, the worldwide leader is the one that's in cahoots with this. Um, no shock there. But look, Dana White's an idiot. I I don't obviously. Da- I don't dabble in the UFC a lot, um, but I know obviously a lot of people do. This has got to be a little a little stain on the uh, the image of UFC and Dana White because it literally lines up perfectly and there is no reason why it should.
0: Yeah, like this this isn't something that needs to happen. Like this isn't like this isn't like ESPN first big night. Let's get Conor McGregor. But that's it. But yeah, also with Conor McGregor, the first time he's back, people are gonna forget about this. Oh, 100 percent. That's, just, that's yeah. just what happens. Hundred percent. Uh, really weird. So a Rod was on Barstool Sports. Part of my take and. He was talking about, if you guys haven't heard it, check it out. He was talking about when he was almost traded to the Red Sox. And if you guys remember 2004, he was very close to being traded to the Red Sox. He was going to take like a $40 million pay cut or something like that because he wanted to come play for the Red Sox. And then the MLB said, nope, you're not doing that. And the, the, the trade was, like, going to happen. He was very excited to be here. And he said that he was absolutely destroyed when the MLB nixed the deal that would be sending him to Boston. I uh, remember that deal. I think that deal included John Lester and Manny Ramirez. So in the long run, I don't hate that the deal didn't happen. Was Lester um, in that deal? I think he was. Yeah, I think he was. I think it was a young John Lester, and I think it was Manny Ramirez in that deal. Manny so was they in that would, deal. I
1: remember that, yeah.
0: So they both would not be on the World Series winning team. Who knows if they still would have won the World Series because Manny was obviously a big piece of that. Mm -hmm. But uh, he said that he was crushed and then he doesn't drink much, but he, quote, got toasted drunk (laughs) when the deal (laughs) got nicked. And then he also said, I knew they were going to win and win big. I kind of wanted to be a part of it. Obviously, he went to the Yankees instead. Now he's probably the most hated Yankee of all time in uh, the eyes of Red Sox fans. Cream Hunt video released this week. We're going to talk about this by TMZ, a February incident where he shoves and kicks a woman. Side note. I'm not going to be like the rest of the media. I said this on the CLNS media Patriots roundtable this week, too. I'm not going to be like the rest of the media where I kind of paint this like Kareem Hunt lines up like a field goal kicker and then just drills a woman. He gave her a light kick with her foot. I mean, like a light push. Like he he put his foot on her She was crouching down, put her foot on, put his foot on her and then knocked her over. Still absolutely not okay. but I'm tired of the media acting like Kareem Hunt lined her up and then punted her like Randy Orton in in the mid 2000s. Don't defend that guy. Come on! I'm not. I'm Don't not, defend that I'm, guy. That's but, disgusting. Not, but the me- no it's not disgusting because the media is literally painting it like that every time. Every time you see that headline, you're like, "Holy shit!" And then you watch the video, and it's not like a full kick. It's so horrible what he did. He, you never touch a woman. But let's call it for what it is. Do not do that. But it wasn't a full blown kick like a lot of the media was painting it as to be when the story first dropped because that's what gets clicks. Oh my god, Kareem Hunt punted a woman. Yeah, well, let's get let's click on this and watch this. Uh, Urban Meyer, we're also going to talk about this for a quick second. We got a lot of weird topics this week. Urban Meyer said set to retire after the Rose Bowl due to health reasons. Uh, the NHL has announced that they'll be adding a 30-second team to Seattle. Uh, continue their expansion. Jared, what should the name of this team be? I don't know. I really don't know. A lot of people are saying, name the Supersonics, because that would be I would, I would, be would love amazing. it. I would love it, because the yeah, NBA, that would, just, be so yeah,
1: that would be amazing. The Seattle Supersonics, not the basketball team, the hockey team. <laughs> it would be kind of great. Uh, it well, won't happen, obviously, but it would be kind of great.
0: Uh, coach of the Green Bay Packers was fired this week. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. Was it Winston... You don't mind am blanking on his name? Because I had it written down, and then I accidentally deleted it. Um, the Green Bay Packers coach? Yes. Mike Winston, McCarthy. No, not Mike McCarthy. You idiot. The guy who tweeted about Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I don't remember that, name. That, that's I, what I have you for. This is, this is, this is, I'll, I'll be honest. This is not, a, Winston Moss. Okay, it's not a great look. To, <laughs> I deleted the name by Come accident.
1: Come prepared, Nicholas.
0: That's what you're here for. Winston Moss, uh, he's assistant coach with the Green Bay Packers. He tweeted out, ponder this. What championship teams have a, great, have a great leadership, period, exclamation point? It's not the offensive guru trend. It's not the safe trend. Find somebody that is going to hold number 12 and everybody in this building to a number one, to a hashtag Lombardi standard, period, hashtag losing sucks. Uh, he was immediately, he was promptly fired after that tweet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> of course he was. Why wouldn't you? Of course uh, you are.
0: Big MLB news today. Paul Goldschmidt traded to the St. Louis Cardinals from the Arizona Diamondbacks officially signaling the demise of this hot Arizona Diamondbacks team for the past couple of years. They're also looking to move Zach Greinke. Uh, and then lastly, real quick, just want to touch on this. Uh, Harvard, some Harvard nerds says that eating more than six French fries uh, is very bad for your health and will be killing you. Listen up, you nerd. I'll eat 95 French fries, and when I die – I'm gonna party with my fellow deads because I'll be pumped that I just ate 90 French fries. Don't tell me how many French six French fries. Who the
1: fuck eats six French fries? It's legitimately like telling me you can only have one potato chip, and that's it. Yeah, like, like here first you go, figure all, it out.
0: First of all, eating French fries is unhealthy. Fucking duh. <laughs> like, we yeah. all know that. Nobody, nobody like you try to justify it and be like, oh, French fries are potato. It's it's a vegetable. No, fuck no. You do you, you eat. Six french fries? You're a nerd. You just, I'm tired of Harvard nerds telling me how to live my life. Just keep oh, your study.
1: Don't, don't eat more than one french fry. Or oh, No, see, you can eat six because you know what? We're gonna ha- you can have a cheat day. Have six french fries. You'll feel better after that. Uh,
0: no. Did you know that eating six french fries? Did you guys know that eating french fries is negative for your health? Yeah, fucking duh. Just well, let me live my well, life. Wow, did,
1: did you know fried potatoes aren't good for you? Yeah, it did. Since the beginning of fucking time. Get over it. I'm eating French fries. I'm gonna put salt on them. I'm gonna douse them in ketchup, and I'm gonna eat them every day I can. Get over it.
0: Two more baseball notes for wrap of the weekly dump. Uh Patrick Corbin signs with the Washington Nationals. Big F you to the Yankees because he he was he was it was it seemed pretty Certain that he's going to sign with the Yankees, so much so I think it was his wedding where his brothers stood up and put on a Yankees hat. Uh Too bad sign with the Nationals. Oh no, boo hoo, didn't go to. What Yankees. a shame, no, huh? No, no, oh, you guys, you guys don't worry. They've got James Paxton. Oh no, James Paxton. Oh, but Nick, Yankees. did you hear?
1: The Yankees might get Nathan oh, oh wait, you mean he's close to oh. signing back with the World Series champion Boston Red Sox? Oh my bad.
0: And then, and then. My last thank you for bringing that up because my last note on the weekly dump, the Red Sox and Nathan Evaldi talking about a 4-year deal close to $17 million per year and the talks are getting serious. Oh. And apparently no, according babies. to oh, no. apparently
1: Nicholas according to one GM in the league, it's really the Red Sox and nobody else at this point. Uh, well, he wants to come back here. Of course he's he always wanted, he said he wanted to come back. Like I don't no one else had a chance if the Red Sox were going to pony up because he wanted to come back.
0: Can we talk about this real quick? Looking at the Red Sox, this team is going to be fucking really good again next season. Well, yeah, this isn't the year that we were all concerned about. It's going to be the year after this year. But and they, they're they also like, there's there's talks about the Red Sox possibly signing Dave Robertson, who would answer your closing position oh, job. That would be studly. It would. Oh, holy, I'm already excited for next Red Sox season. All right. That's it for the Weekly dump. All right, Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so Mike McCarthy, this is the first topic of the night. Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, Boob fired. Boob. Fired after a loss at Lambeau Field to the Arizona Cardinals, right? Okay. I have to say something. Jared, I got something to say. I, I, you always do. Jared, I got something to say about Aaron Rodgers.
1: Probably okay? Not. Baby, what Ready for baby.
0: This? I am sick and tired. I am so sick and tired of Packers fans acting like this guy has nothing to do, has nothing to do with the t- this team's poor performance this year. They're going to miss the playoffs. But imagine this. Imagine if Tom Brady, even at 41 years old, had this record, had four wins.
1: It, all, it, it would all be on Brady. Be- oh it my God, guys, only- Tom Brady hit the cliff. It's his fault he can't show with his teammates. He didn't he's show up for greatest OTAs, greatest man. See,
0: I told you, he's not the greatest ever. No, Tom Brady's not the greatest ever. And Aaron Rodgers has four wins on the season, and everybody gives this guy a pass. No. There's been, there were two weeks in a row, last week and the week before, where he had a wide-open Devontae Adams, and he overthrew him. The best tweet I saw after that game that somebody retweeted, I forget, I was some some Joe Schmo, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, go-ahead touchdown or tie-touchdown, whatever it was. Pivotal touchdown, wide open in the end zone. Completely overthrows him. Somebody tweeted out, oh, man, Mike McCarthy overthrown Devontae Adams. (laughs) Like, holy shit. Can we just please just call it for what it is and say Aaron Rodgers? Quite frankly, I've always thought Aaron Rodgers, while he makes these crazy great plays, Aaron Rodgers is overrated. Well, he's not a better quarterback than Brady. People are like, oh,
1: Aaron Rodgers is the greatest of all time. No, he's probably one of the more athletic quarterbacks not that I, would play the game. Like, I get it. Like, he's one of the most athletic guys to ever throw a football. But he's not Tom Brady. It's not even close. You watched him play that game when they, when the Packers had to come here. You saw it in that game. Rodgers had a couple great, here's my legs, I'm going to run out of the pocket throws. Tom Brady won the game. Tom Brady led his team in the second half, wasn't even close, and he took down three May Packers. Now... It's, it's, it's bullshit, because, and you're right, Nick. It's because this team is getting no crap, and it's just they're falling on Mike McCarthy. They won one Super Bowl, and they haven't missed a playoff since McCarthy was the coach. Clearly, he was doing something right, but this year, Rodgers has taken a slip, and it's all falling on McCarthy when it's like, no, Aaron Rodgers isn't that good. Like, he's good. I'm not saying I'd rather Aaron Rodgers than two-thirds of the quarterbacks in this league on my team if I didn't have Tom Brady, a.k.a. the GOAT, but...
0: It's, I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers than – if I didn't have Tom Brady, I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers than anybody else in the league.
1: Eh, your boy, Maker
0: Mayfield, though. Come on. Okay, I love him. Come on. Come on. I, come I on. love Maker. No, no. So, so Rodgers, like, don't get me wrong. He's a great quarterback. He's going to go down as one of the greats. But let's face it. The guy has won Super Bowl, and it's just these – he's just gotten these passes. He's just gotten these damn passes all year and basically all through his career. When he does a bad game, oh, no, it's not Aaron Rodgers' fault. It's Mike McCarthy's fault. Can we just say that this guy isn't as great as everybody paints him out to be, especially this season? Again, imagine if Tom Brady had four wins. Even at age 41, the world, the NFL fan's mind would explode. People waiting to jump on Tom Brady would jump on him immediately. Imagine it Max Kellerman blows. with
1: Brady and four wins. My lord. Oh,
0: my God. It just blows my mind. It just blows my mind that everybody just gives Aaron Rodgers this, oh no, it's oh, it's Mike McCarthy. Oh, it's no it's 100% on Mike McCarthy. None of this is Aaron Rodgers' fault. None of this is Aaron Rodgers' fault. It is all Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy sucks and granted he probably does suck. Good thing he's gone. His time ran up with we ran out with the Green Bay Packers. But oh my god, it's 100% on Mike McCarthy. It's not on Aaron Rodgers at all. Can we just please, please just say, just admit that some of this is on Aaron Rodgers? Please just put some of this on Aaron Rodgers. That's all I need. I just need people to admit that. But so so talk about the real subject real quick. Mike McCarthy, do you agree with the Packers firing a midseason like this? No, they fired. They didn't even get him to Monday. Like They the weren't even, until after the game.
1: They literally – he walked off the podium, he talked, and they canned him. And it's like – and then he flew back with the team. So it's like – No, they, they
0: were in Lambo. They were in Lambo.
1: Oh, they are, oh, that's right. Okay. So – oh, yeah, because it was stupid that they lost at home to the Arizona Cardinals. That's right. It's all coming back to me.
0: <laughs> to the Cardinals. So they lost at
1: home to the Cardinals. Um, look, I don't agree with the decision to do it now. I think he should have been canned. Um, but you're four and whatever, and you have four games left, like – just let and him you do have Aaron me. Rodgers.
0: You, you, like like me, like Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, but I just again, I just don't think people give him enough but hate for what he's done this season.
1: Looking at this, don't we think it's just it was Aaron Rodgers' call? Like because if if Rodgers oh, really yeah. wanted oh. him because we know there's a rift there, we know they don't like each other anymore. They don't they can't really work together anymore.
0: Rodgers yeah. was changing McCarthy's play calls at the line of scrimmage. Oh,
1: if that rift wasn't there, don't you think they would finish up the year and then that part ways, like, they're doing it now because they want to keep Aaron Rodgers happy. That's the point.
0: I think they're doing it now because they're embarrassed they lost at home to the Cardinals. I think if they win that game, he's not fired. Like, they, they oh, lost yeah. the game they well, should would, not have lost. That would be a crazy move. That would be a crazy move to win a game and they get fired. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh,
1: you you beat the Arizona Cardinals like you were supposed to, but uh, we're actually done with you. Sorry. You <laughs> need to go would, home now.
0: That would be a crazy move. Um, But, no, I mean, it's... I think they should have waited till the end of the season. It was... At least, at least, giving it to like a different week. Like, just don't embarrass the guy like that. It, you lose to the Arizona Cardinals, great, but that guy has been with the organization since what? Two thousand six is the head. coach. And he
1: never missed the playoffs. This was the first never, year he missed. Never the
0: missed the playoffs. Like that's that's to me, that's kind of disrespectful for what they did there to Mike McCarthy. I think they should have held on to him. He won, the the... like... he won them a Super Bowl. He won them a Super Bowl. You're not going to the playoffs. Like that's your season's already over. Just hold on to him. Let him ride it out for the rest of, rest of the season. Let him ride it out with his dignity, and then fire him. Mm-hmm. Then fire him, mm-hmm. or at least wait till death Monday at the end of the year. Like, they're like, come on. Um. All right. So this actually, we'll we'll save this for the next topic. I want to talk about Urban Meyer real quick. Like, like, a, just a couple minutes. Urban Meyer is one of my favorite stories in the world because the guy is the guy is. He's he's an enigma. He makes he makes no sense to me. Uh, Urban Meyer, Ohio State head coach, announces this week that he is retiring after the Rose Bowl this year. Okay, cited health reasons. Now this isn't a joke. The guy does has some pretty serious brain issues, brain health issues. He's passed out before on the sideline. But the funniest thing about Urban Meyer is him saying he's fifty four years old. He's saying he's retiring. He is saying that he will not be coaching football again. Lies, (laughs)
1: just straight (laughs)
0: lies. (laughs) No way, He he will be back in the. He'll be back, maybe not next year, but the year after that, and that's a fact. Um, he'll be on TV next year. His health issues are—they're real. They're very real. You know, he probably will be back next year. You're right, but. Don't tell me that Urban Meyer, who lives and breathes football, that he will not be coaching again. At least he could even be coaching in the NFL.
1: Let's be fair. If his health issues were that big of a concern, wouldn't he have stopped a while back? Like If, they, if, coaching, if the health reasons were the absolute reason why you're doing this, why are you standing on the sidelines still, dude? Like If you're that concerned to your health, why are you still coaching the team?
0: Every time Ohio State is in like is in like demise or there's something going wrong during the middle of a game he's always like hunched over and he's always like oh man oh oh I'm hurt oh no health issues health issues and then when they're winning he's jumping up and he's down jubiling. he's like, it's, like, it's like yeah oh look at me I'm healthy woo <laughs> stop just, he's just stop he's insane he is crazy I love Urban Meyer but I also hate him And I actually, so legitimately, I do dislike Urban Meyer for what he did with his wide receiver coach this year, Zach Smith, who I think this is, I think this is the real reason why he's stepping down. I think he is, I think after the Zach Smith situation, which people forget uh, Urban Meyer, let's, let's, let's call it for what it is. Urban Meyer knew about Zach Smith beating up his wife and just hit it. He was his wide receiving coach. Uh, He hid the abuse and didn't tell anybody, and then it eventually came out, and that was a big stand in Ohio State. I think that this is the real reason why I think Urban Meyer and Ohio State had an agreement at the beginning of the season. Hey, we're going to suspend you these first four games to make it look like we uh, actually care about this because they don't. And then at the end of the year, instead of us firing you because you've done a lot for us, you're going to have to step down. I think that is what is going on. And they have their out. They have the scapegoat right there. The brain is used. They no,
1: have the scapegoat. Most of their – co- like most other coaches would have been out when this all happened, right? Like when that whole thing went down, most other coaches would have resigned right then and there. But it's Urban Meyer. He's
0: a winner. That's he's, what he does. He's a winner. Win. He,
1: he, he was like, some, like something stu- – I don't think he had ever lost to Michigan like in his time at Ohio State, right? Like it was something stupid like that. This guy – and I don't watch a lot of college football. We'll coach again. If you think Urban Meyer is actually retiring from football, you are a boob just like Urban Meyer. Because, literally, he will be coaching again. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to try the NFL, gives
0: that a shot. But, like, come on. If you really
1: believe he's retiring,
2: you're a boob.
0: There is – Urban Meyer, there is 0% chance Urban Meyer is done coaching forever. He's 54 years old. He will be back. All right, moving on to the Kareem Hunt video. Um, So the February incident happens. Kareem Hunt allegedly kicked and shoved a woman and – the video finally came out. TMZ, of course, they're the ones who picked it up. <sighs> this is a this is a big one to unpack here. So Kareem Hunt, video comes out, TMZ Sports. And Kareem Hunt shoves a guy into a woman. The woman falls down on the ground. You guys can go check out the videos. Literally, you can find it anywhere. Just search Kareem Hunt on Twitter and you'll find it. Uh, and then when the woman's on the ground, he's still going after her. Like He's being held back by a lot of people. And then she's crouched down and then he kicks her over. Uh, again, like I said in the Weekly Dump, he doesn't full-out roundhouse kicker. He just puts his foot on her and shoves her over. So, with that, the NFL could not obtain the tapes, they say. Uh, it also came out that the NFL told the Kansas City Chiefs, the former employee, the former employer, excuse me, of Kareem Hunt, that to, to stop going after the tapes. And also, with what happened, Kareem Hunt got placed in the commissioner's exempt list when this video came out, and then was very quickly released by the Kansas City Chiefs, cut by the Chiefs, uh, and they said that he was not truthful with them when the situation happened. And he has now cleared waivers, so he is an unrestricted free agent. So, with all that being said, he also told Kareem Hunt also told ESPN on uh, we saw the video on Sunday, the NFL never asked him about this.
1: Or never NFL, went to the girl. They didn't go NFL, either way.
0: Nothing. 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 Are you kidding me? So not to be the classic Patriots fan, but, but do you it. deflate just do it. footballs, you spend millions of dollars on an investigation, and when, uh, when violence against women allegations come out, you do nothing about it, and you just, you, the NFL was praying that this video went away. Praying. That nobody had this video. And it's now multiple times because
1: Ray Rice is the same exact thing. Now, Ray Rice has been since blackballed from the league, but... Also older. But he was also older and wasn't as good when this happened. Hunt's going to play again. He's going to play again. Last year was his rookie year. Like, he's going to play again. The Chiefs even put a statement out afterwards, didn't they? Saying something like in the lines of, you know, we wish you nothing but the best. We're here to support him. Um, We hope he he lands somewhere else. He wasn't going to be here. Like... He's gonna play somewhere else next year. Like he will I, be picked
0: I, up this I was very. He su- could even be picked up this. I was if really surprised no Red one Redskins claimed him.
1: I was really surprised uh, that no one claimed him.
0: If it wasn't for the Redskins, the R words, a shadow. Yeah, sorry. Whoops. Roster.
1: Oh, let's let's put that out of there. Let's get, It's the R word. Sorry. The
0: R words. Yeah. Hey, a yeah. Pack you bleep out uh, when I said the uh, the R words, please. The Redskins, please bleep that out Those too. Should not be named. Um. If it wasn't for the for the R words signing. Ruben Foster, who also has these abuse allegations against women, mm-hmm. then I think Cream Hunt would have been picked up already by a team, probably by the Redskins, because the Redskins have no morals. Redskins, the
1: Jets could use them. Like this dude is the a second. Sec- could use them. Colts could use them. Second year. Well, Le'Veon Bell wants to go to the Colts, apparently. Um, look, They're second.
0: Be if that happens. Yeah,
1: very good. Uh, second year in the league, right? Stud running back. Look what he did. R.I.P. My fantasy team in the playoffs because he's no longer on the Chiefs. i got to buy because of that, dude. And now I'm not even going to win the first game. Um, Look, he's going to get picked up. It's a shitty situation. It's sports. It is what it is. He's going to play somewhere else next year. He could be picked up before the year's even over. But what is the NFL doing? Don't they ever learn? Like, you took years— to years to go back and forth with Tom Brady and his legal counsel about uh, a football that felt a little squishy to somebody on the Colts. And you can't sit here and say, you, and, and you're going to try to hide another video after what happened with Ray Rice and
0: this stuff with Luton Foster? Like, are you it, kidding it, me? It, legit, it, it feels like we have this same conversation every single year. It's once a, it's what once is, a season what now, at is least. the NFL doing? It's once, once a, a season, season, at least. What is the NFL doing? It's just... You don't it's it's not that hard to just to just check to just what i'm I'm looking for a phrase a checks and balances. just have a list literally just i don't print out a list domestic abuse or violence against women allegations. okay, check with the so the alleged victim. check with the alleged abuser Standard okay, protocol. check, check. talk to the police department. if there's video, obtain the video. if there is video. Uh, you know it's going to come out and see public one day. Release said video to the public so the public can see it. You just... Then make a very hard, make a tough decision and suspend that player for a certain amount of games. Minimum six, I believe.
1: You literally just wrote the entire dummies version of how to handle domestic violence abuse cases. And the
0: NFL can't figure and it the out. the NFL can't do it. It's, it's, it's absurd. It is absurd that the NFL cannot put this together.
1: I don't get it. Like, I mean, wh- like what is it about this, this league and this commissioner and Roger Goodell that doesn't learn and can't figure out? They don't even out... let
0: Roger Goodell talk anymore. No, I know. He, I,
1: when was the last MIA. time we talked? When was the last time we heard from Roger Goodell? And mind you, during PSI gate, he was all over it. He would talk every time something happened. So it's like the owners are now learning, right? Don't let Roger Goodell talk. But what now? Because now you have a commissioner that's MIA and everyone wants him to be talking. He's not being allowed to talk. And you have other stuff still happening, and now you're trying to sweep women beating under the rug because it's Kareem Hunt.
0: And that's, that's exactly it. If it were another player who they didn't see as a rising superstar, because Kareem Hunt, he's not just middle-of-the-road player. Well, he's a you, rising superstar in this league. Well, don't even use the same were, position
1: or domestic violence. Just use Colin Kaepernick as a perfect example. Like, Colin Kaepernick just knelt during the Pledge of Allegiance or the National Anthem for a reason, right? Pledge of Allegiance. He just would not get up in goddamn elementary school. Jesus Christ. He wouldn't do it on one knee since first grade. Um, Look, but that's a perfect example, isn't it, though, like to go off of? Why hasn't Colin Kaepernick been a workout yet? The Redskins just admitted that they considered it in-house. They were talking about it, um, but they didn't want to, quote-unquote, change their whole offense. They didn't need to do that. He's coming.
0: They're they're out anyway. Fuck that. Yeah, they're
1: out. They need somebody who can play. He's better than Mark Sanchez, who got back in a game for the first time since 2016. Like, and he
0: fumbled and recovered the ball with with his
1: butt. Um, But like, why is it that Colin Kaepernick is getting blackballed for nothing at all? And Kareem Hunt's going to be on a team in less than 24 months, in less than 12 months, I think. Like, he's going to be on a team in like six
0: months. Uh Yeah, probably less than three months. The second the Super Bowl is over,
1: He's on a he'll team. get signed. As soon as, as, as free agency, quote-unquote, opens in the next year, like in the new new league year, he'll be on a team.
0: And, and so don't get me wrong, right? I think Kareem Hunt should get a second chance. I think people deserve second chances. And the severity of it, like it's, again, I don't want to get this twisted. You never want to hit a woman. The severity of it is much lesser than it was, let's say, against Ray Rice well,
1: or Greg Hardy. Well, Ray Rice was worse. Greg Hardy was probably the worst one. Um, yeah. And then you have, like, Adrian Peterson beating his kids.
0: And it admits that he still hits them. It admits them. that he
1: still hits them and is in the league playing on the Redskins. Like, God, shocker. That, guy,
0: that, guy, that guy's brain is mush.
1: So, so, is, so is Urban Myers, apparently. Um, so, look. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa.
0: Whoa. This guy has serious health issues.
1: Mental health is a serious issue. Adrian Peterson is crazy. Um, look, here, here's the deal. It's an idiotic thing. We're not condoning it. Graham Hunt will be on a team because he's 22 and can run and catch the ball out of the backfield. It won't be on the Chiefs. It'll probably be on the New York Jets.
0: He will, he will get a second chance. Or he'll league. replace Adrian Peterson on the Redskins. Yeah. He'll, he'll, get it. he'll get another chance in this league, and he's going to be a superstar. And then in about a year and a half, we're going to forget about it. I guess that's it. NFL, you're done fucked up again. I don't know. I don't know how the NFL continues to fuck up, but they do. (sighs) Couch Guys Sports Loose change, podcast, episode number 86 in the books. Once again, shout out Evan Lazar, CLNS Media, for coming on the show. Guys, go check out the store, the Couch Guys Sports store. Buy a beanie, the winter hat beanies. People freaking love them. Buy our Celtics merch. We've got some Red Sox merch. We've got some new merch coming out soon. Look out for a big show announcement coming in the next couple of weeks. We've got all the ducks on the road for that one. Uh, and then rate us, subscribe on iTunes. I don't care if you – just rate and subscribe on iTunes. Just hit that five-star. Leave a solid comment, guys. It would be huge for us. So spread the word of the show. Spread the good word of the show. Couch guys Sports. Loose Change Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, too, by the way, before I wrap it up. Twitter at Couch Guy Sports on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Loose Change Pod on Twitter. Couch Guy Sports, Loose Change Podcast, episode 86 in the books. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening.